Welcome to the Cold Brew Podcast. It is episode number 100. We have made it to our centennial episode. There we go. We have done it. I cannot believe it has been 100 episodes here on the Cold Brew Podcast. It seems like we started it just yesterday. It does. Uh, in, in two years. Like, hard to believe it was two freaking years that we've done this. We've we kind of just started it during that shortened season, get things rolling again. We've had some amazing guests from players to radio guys to writers, just all across the board. We're so thankful for all of them. Thankful for everyone who's listening. It's it's been a hell of a ride and. We got plenty more to do, but uh, 100 episodes, just nuts. Yeah, it has been uh, quite the journey. I mean, I remember starting this, and I mean, we were, it was just kind of like, okay, like we, we've done a podcast before uh, here at Reviewing the Brew, and it's like, you know, we kind of got away from that a bit. And, you know, once I, because uh, I was using my, college radio station you know mm. equipment to record it before but i'm yeah. like and then once i graduated it's like well don't really have access to this so podcast kind of ends and i remember a lot of people being disappointed i'm like you know we sh- really should get this started back up again so i'm just you know we're just all kind of stuck at home there for a few months and in 2020 with nothing to do nowhere to go i'm like we should start a podcast up again so we got it rolling and you know, got myself a microphone here, and I'm like, Matt, we got to do this. He's like, I'm in. So, and now here we are. So many guests later, you know, Robert Murray, uh, fan-sided MLB insider, uh, was our first guest. Uh, we've had our we've had our own writers on. As as you mentioned, Matt, we we've had a bunch of other you know radio guys on. Steve Sparky Pfeiffer, Doug Russell, uh, Dario Melendez. Uh, we've had him. Bart Winkler, Andrew Wagner. Uh, we've had, you know, a bunch of the Brewers minor league radio broadcasters, Garrett Green, uh, Greg Young, Chris Mearing, Jeff Hem. Uh, we've had so many guests, a bunch of players as well. Aaron Ashby, the recently extended mm-hmm. Aaron Ashby, by the way. Josh Lindblom, the recently traded Antoine Kelly, the also recently traded Hayden Cantrell, um, a lot of like, a lot of guys, a lot of guys we had on got traded. Weimer, the man Joey Weimer. And Weimer, yes. But Weimer is uh, still here, thankfully. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yes. Yeah, but I mean, it, it's been it's been so great having all these guests, and we've had a bunch of them on a couple of times now, and and it's always great to to talk to them. We tried to get Robert Murray uh, for tonight to talk the trade deadline because obviously the trade deadline has just passed. So it's like, okay, it, it makes sense. Robert broke a bunch of the news, and he's got a bunch of the insights as to what was going on and, and what could be happening. And uh, unfortunately, we could not make the uh, the schedules work uh, to have him on the podcast this week. So it's just going to be us. Uh, but we're going to be able to celebrate in our own fashion. But I wish there was a lot more to celebrate uh, when uh-huh. it comes to the Brewers in this podcast, we can celebrate ourselves and, you know, yeah. the, the hundred episodes that we've done now and, you know, just, just kind of everything we've been able to do with this podcast at reviewing the brew. But then it comes to on the field and you look at what the brewers did. I mean, we were so excited for this trade deadline. It seemed like there were going to be a bunch of moves coming. It's a first place team. They were hot coming out of the all-star break. It's like, okay, let's, let's make the push. This is a good team. They're healthy. Let's get some guys. Let's help out. And, well, everything went downhill starting on Monday this week. The Josh Hader trade. For years and years, we have been talking about this, about the possibility of this. It has been rumored for multiple seasons now. Every trade deadline, every offseason, it's always teams are calling, the Brewers are listening, and nothing ever happens. This year, it happens again. Uh, on Sunday night or whatever, you get a whole bunch of, oh, teams are calling on Josh Hader. Brewers are listening, as always. And, you know, maybe now's the time to deal them. Well, they said that last offseason. They said that last trade deadline. They say that the offseason before that. So, you know, is now really the time to tr- to trade them? 
Well, we got our answer at about 12.30 on Monday afternoon. Yes, it was. And the San Diego Padres were able to put up enough to convince the Brewers to trade Josh Hader. And, Matt, when I've... Where were you when you first saw this news? What, what were you doing? Were you just chilling at home or, or at work? Or? Um, no. Oh, I was at home actually on Monday because um, we had an issue with the new house where I had to wait for a plumber to show up. Um, totally different issue. Um, so at least at least Josh Hader's stuff wasn't the worst news that I got that day. Um, but it yeah. was, in fact, the second worst. I was at home. There was a bunch of shit waiting. involved here as well. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, so I was at home still just waiting for the plumber, and that news broke, and it was like a firestorm went off. Uh, just notifications nonstop between our writer's chat, our MLB editor's chat, uh, just news notifications with, like, each continuing thing that would come out, because first we know Josh Hader's traded, then we know a couple of the players that are involved. Then we know a couple of the products. It was just one step after the other, and it was all coming out so fast. We were all kind of trying to react to it in real time, and it was that was a lot. And I'm, I'm glad I wasn't at work for that one um, because, holy cow, that was, that was something to go through. Yeah. The timing was – it could not have been worse for me because I'm sitting here because, um, you know, I work – I work – producing an afternoon show. Um, so, you know, I was, I had just been kind of been sitting here at home and just kind of waiting for stuff to happen, just checking Twitter, writing articles, you know, whatever else. And I'm like, okay, nothing's been happening. I'm going to go to Kidoba, get some lunch and then head into work right after. And I, I drive the like two minutes to Kidoba and I walk in the door and then I just feel my phone just start just start buzzing and vibrating. And I check it and I and I see Josh Hader's on the verge of being traded. Josh Hader has been traded. And all this is coming out while I'm in line at Qdoba. I am like I get the news that he is on the verge of being traded and I get the prospect return all in the time that I get there in line to when I'm actually able to order. So I'm just sitting there just frantically going through my phone and just frantically dealing with all these notifications, everything coming through as I'm waiting for the line, trying to quick order. Yes. Brown rice, chicken, <laughs> lettuce, pico, like all the, <laughs> just I'm trying to get all this. Tortilla, damn it. Yeah. Just like, I'm, I need this to go like to go. Yes. Not, I, I was originally planning to stay there and eat up before heading into work. But I'm like, no, I need this to go. I'm going in. I'm I'm getting to the desk. Put the food aside. Start frantically tapping. I have never typed so fast, Matt, as I did trying to write that trade article. It was it was just I was just pounding those keys. It was it was intense. And. Yeah, the the trade has really only gone from bad to worse. My my initial thoughts of of this trade, it's like, okay, you get Taylor Rogers in return for Josh Hader. And it's like, okay, that makes sense. He's their all-star closer. It's your all-star closer. You know, tit for tat there. He comes back. Makes sense. Okay, who else? Denelson Lamette. Okay, I I always kind of liked Lamette. And, you know, a very talented arm when healthy. He hasn't been healthy for the last year or so. That tends to be a theme with the Brewers this year, but more on that later. Uh, you know, you get Lamed in there. I'm like, okay, he's intriguing. I feel like he's someone that Chris Hook and the and the Brewers development staff can really kind of turn back into a stud now that they got him healthy. They seemed excited for him. And you got a coach. You got a couple of really good prospects. Asturi Ruiz has been one of the highest performing minor league players in mm-hmm. in the entire country this season. I mean, it, it's astounding the numbers that he's been able to put up. Uh, really raise his prospect value. Really good contact hitter. Incredible blazing speed. 60 mm-hmm. stolen bases. Um, and he's someone that has made his big league debut this year. So it's like, okay, he's pretty much big league ready. You can, you can have him take over in center field, I guess. Uh, and then Robert Gasser, who I always liked as a prospect there. Uh, so I'm like, okay, you know what? This is actually, you know, somewhat solid, you know, like, like this is a, a fairly solid return. It's not overwhelming. Uh, I would have liked, you know, maybe something a bit more overwhelming, but, um, you know, it's like, okay, th- like, like this is, this is all right. And then two days later, 
Denelson Lamette gets designated for assignment before he even pitches in a single game for the Brewers. And I am just astounded. Matt, I, I could not have been – let me pull up my thesaurus here. I could not have been more <laughs> flabbergasted or befuddled or astonished um, at, at, at that news that Denelson Lamette was DFA'd. Yeah, and we we we've skipped over a couple steps that ultimately led to that, and we will get to those in just a little bit. But I I was okay with the trade after it happened, before any of the other news broke about, about anyone else that we got. Like immediate reaction to the trade, um, I was okay with it because you know you get a guy back in Rogers who can help you high leverage uh, situations. In the rotation, I I also have really liked Lamette. I remember watching him before he got injured, pitching against the Brewers, and he's dirty when he when he is on. Like when he is healthy, his stuff is nasty. And so I'm thinking, okay, whether he's a starter, whether he's a reliever, that's something the Brewers can turn into a weapon with their pitching development. Um, and then reading about the two prospects, those two prospects immediately become the Brewers' eighth and ninth ranked prospects so you know must be pretty decently talented you look into Ruiz's numbers in double A AA and triple A this year and they're very very impressive he's got a, a combined OPS between the two uh levels in the 900s and like you said 60 plus steals I mean stuff to like there um Gasser Gasser's the one actually that I really haven't even had time to look into because of all the other stuff that's happened since then um but he's very highly regarded by a lot of uh, prospect watchers so just that trade in and of itself, I was okay with it, which is why when I initially graded it um, on face value, I gave it an A- minus for the trade before anything else happened, of course. Um, I felt okay with that return, considering that the other option was basically the Brewers waiting to trade Hater and getting less, or letting him walk during free agency, maybe extending a qualifying offer or something, and getting back some compensation, um, but basic, basically letting him walk for nothing. Like, it, it's is getting four guys back in return much better than that. But then to hear that Lamette is DFA'd, entirely different view on that trade. Now you've got a guy, and only guy helping you at the big league level is Rogers, who is free agent after this year. Am I remembering yes, that correctly? Yes, correct. Yeah. So he's gone. So after this year, you got you have two pieces from that trade. Two pieces from that trade. And he's an inferior reliever to Hater. He's an inferior reliever. Every reliever is an inferior reliever to Hater. Um, so so you get one the one big league piece you get has even less control than the guy you traded. Yeah. Yeah. So But going forward, you have two prospects that you got for Josh Hader. Like that's at least with Lamette, you had another year out of that. You could work with them, see what you have, maybe extend them a year or two for cheap if you think that you know that's someone who can work out for you for a little bit. That that's not an option anymore. You got two prospects for Josh. Josh Hader, arguably the most talented closer in the league. That's just yeah. not that's not acceptable. No, it's and, and neither of those guys were even top 100 prospects. No, like for a year and a half a hater, you should be getting a top 100 prospect. And then, I mean, it, it seems like Lamette was included as a salary dump or a salary oh, yeah. trade off. I mean, D- David Stern said after the DFA that Lamette was included to help balance out the deal, uh, and they, you know, just kind of couldn't find a spot for him with their subsequent transactions. I mean, to balance out. Why are you helping the Padres balance out this deal? The, the Brewers had no need to make this trade. They, they did not need to do this. They, they didn't need to help the Padres out with their salary. They didn't need to dump Hater. So why are you helping them out by taking a, a salary trade off in Lamette and, and getting him out of there for them? I mean, if, if you don't truly believe in him as a return, get someone else. If they don't want to give you someone else, don't trade them. It, it's that simple. You don't have to trade Josh Hader in this situation. You're a contending team with the deadline. You can trade him a year from you, you can trade him this offseason and try to get 
I mean, you couldn't get Rogers back because he'd be a free agent. But I mean, if you trade Hater this offseason, you get Ruiz, you get Gasser, you get maybe a, a big league arm or a big league bat, um, then fine. Great. You know, that, that makes some sense. But trading him mid-season like this uh, is something that you never see from a first-place club. And it signals more that, that they're waving the white flag when they're in first place, which doesn't make any sense. And then to make it worse, they didn't follow it up with anything of, of consequence. I mean, if you're going to pull the trigger on a Josh Hader trade that you know is going to completely reshape your roster and your team, it completely reshapes the bullpen. And it sends shockwaves throughout the clubhouse. You are trading away an impact player. Mm-hmm. They did not get an impact player back in return. I like Taylor Rogers, but not enough to call him an impact player. No. And so if you're going to trade away one of your impact guys, Hader, Burns, Yelich, Adamas, like those are impact guys. And you needed to get one of those back to replace Hader, and they did not. And it, like it, it just kind of seemed like, oh, there was this big plan to make some big moves, and, and they had some more, you know, moving and shaking coming. There were reports they were they were possibly looking to trade Colton Wong or Omar Narvaez, and you know maybe make some and make some moves for some bats. They had some big plans going, some big guys that they were eyeing up, and they don't pull the trigger as soon as soon as that hater trade goes through. You are committed to the plan. You are committed to to following it through and they just simply backed off. They, they, they turned away and they didn't follow through and everyone is left wondering what the fuck. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I a hundred percent agree. It, I, I, I understood from the beginning why you, why you make the hater trade. I understand. We've understood this ever since he started hitting his arbitration years, essentially. Like, we get, as fans, why it was going to make sense to trade the best closer in the league. Because we're a small-to-mid-market team. We can't afford guys like that. We've got a guy like Christian Yelich under a big contract. We want to potentially extend some other guys. We want to be able to bring in, you know, blah, 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 whatever. Okay, we get that. But yes, you either have to get, like you said, impact players back in return or use those savings that you now have for impact players elsewhere. That's what we thought was going to happen. That's what all this talk, that's what we were writing about for weeks when it uh, came to us getting close to the deadline is which which hitters, even if they're budget hitters that could at least make a like minor impact, what are those types of guys that they could bring in? And nothing. Nothing ends up following that. In fact, they make two moves that end up making things worse, one even more so than the other. Yeah, let's let's talk about those. So they they make the hater trade that afternoon on Monday, and then a few hours later, late, later that night on Monday, they make another trade with the Texas Rangers, acquiring Matt Bush, 36-year-old reliever who still throws 97 miles an hour, uh, they trade Antoine Kelly, left-handed pitching prospect, arguably their best left-handed pitching prospect mm-hmm. prior to Gasser's arrival, uh, and Mark Mathias. I mean, utility guy clears a 40-man spot. You know, it's it's fine. I liked Mark, but you know, I, I wish he would have gotten more of an opportunity. But you know, yeah. eh, whatever. Yeah. So you trade them for for two and a half years of of Matt Bush, and the addition of Bush to the bullpen is essentially what kicked Denelson Lamette out of the bullpen. So, I mean, you you, you make this plan to, to bring in Lamette and Rodgers to help out the bullpen. You send Hader out, one reliever out, two relievers in, and then all of a sudden you make it three relievers in, and it's like, wait a minute, we don't have enough guys to send down. We can send down Strezelecki, but outside of that, you know, now we'd have to send down someone else that we really like, or, I mean, some of those guys, they don't have options. Gott doesn't have options. Um, the few guys that do like Hobie Milner, he's too good to send down. Devin Williams has options. You're not going to send him down. So what do you do? And you end up DFAing Lamette because you got Matt Bush. And it's like, wait a minute. 
Why did we need to make the Bush trade? Why don't we just keep Antoine Kelly? Right. No, that that one, again, was a head scratcher. We we talked about why you would end up trading a player like Antoine Kelly because of the fact that he's Rule 5 eligible. So well, let's talk through that a little bit. But Antoine Kelly being Rule 5 eligible um, this winter means that potentially another team, if the Brewers were not to add him to their 40-man roster over the offseason, another team could potentially pick him. If they did, they would have to add him to their 26-man roster. You can argue whether or not you think a team, like maybe a team out of contention, just looking for some talent, would be willing to take a guy who had just made double A, supposedly for the first time in his career, and add him to a 26-man roster. I had my doubts that that would happen, so I guess I... To me, it's a little bit more puzzling even that you end up trading a guy with that being part of the reasoning behind it. The Brewers never mentioned that that was the reasoning behind it. But, you know, a lot of people who pay attention to the prospects as well as us here on the site had thrown that out there. Um, So, okay, I guess I get that. I don't know that I totally buy that he would have been picked, but Brewers didn't want to risk it and felt like maybe they could at least use him as a trade asset. And I listed him as one of our trade assets for a reason. Um, so, okay, and same thing, Mark Mathias, I mean, it, Mark Mathias is not going to be anything more than a backup utility guy at best. Yeah. But to bring in Matt Bush, who is up there in age, we get, we've all by now seen his Wikipedia page. We know about his checkered past, uh, to say the least. You know, I'm one who believes that people should get a second chance, um, and he's getting one, and that's great. Uh, but despite his age, that does mean that maybe there's a little less mileage on the tires. But he is still up there in age, and uh, you're bringing him in now and creating your own roster crunch that, A, you didn't need to create in the first place, and B, did you really need more relievers? I mean, we've talked, we've written on the site about all these guys that are down there doing rehab appearances, Luis Perdomo, uh, Jake Cousins, Justin Topa, You've got other guys who eventually will in, you know, John Del Gustave, um, who's out there now, you know, eventually he'd be coming back. Adrian Hauser today just went on a rehab start. When he comes back, someone's going to need to go from the rotation to the bullpen, um, whether it's he himself or someone else. Um, you've got guys for the bullpen. Some of those guys will end up staying in AAA. But, in fact, I think that ended up happening to Perdomo. I believe he got optioned down in yep. all those moves because he was ready to came, come back. He made, like, seven rehab appearances. But, like, you've got guys, and you and the, some of those guys, like Jake Cousins especially, are very talented. So do you really need to lean into the bullpen that much? Like, I just I don't, I don't get it. I don't get that move. Bush has been great this season. I get it. But – was that really necessary? Especially after you already got Rogers and, and Lamette. Yes. I mean, you, you sent out one reliever in Josh Hader, the best reliever in baseball, and you're trying to replace him with three, four guys. Mm-hmm. And it just, it doesn't seem to, to make sense. It's, it's like the scene in, in uh, Moneyball where, you know, Billy Bean's trying to, you know, re, recreate Jason Giambi in the aggregate and he uses three players to do so. And it's like, wait a minute, you know, it's like, okay, like how is this going to end up working out? But they lost Giambi as a free agent. He was gone. There there was no chance of getting him back. The Brewers still had Hater for a year and a half. They didn't have to lose him. They didn't have to do any of this. And, you know, it's like, okay, you get one reliever, you get two. It's like, you know, we kind of expected that. Um, but yeah, then you go out and get Matt Bush and create a, a much bigger roster crunch. As, as you mentioned, with all these guys coming back, it's like you really only needed maybe one reliever at most right. to add to this group, uh, especially with all these guys getting healthy. And then to follow that up, it's like, OK, now we head into Tuesday and it's like, OK, well, you got your bullpen arms, I guess. Now let's focus on the bats and nothing, nothing, nothing. And then an hour before the deadline, oh, the Brewers acquire Trevor Rosenthal. It's like, oh, this would have been great if this were six years ago. But Trevor Rosenthal, the 32-year-old, has not pitched 
in two years. The last time he pitched was 2020. He missed all of last season with thoracic outlet surgery. He's missed all of this season. I think he had like a hip issue or something. Now he's got a hamstring issue. He still isn't healthy. He's not coming back for another month. You're going to get one month of regular season baseball from Trevor Rosenthal. You're going to get at most a month of him in the postseason. So at most you get two. And given the way things are going, I don't think we're going to yeah. make it all the way through October, but that's beside yeah. the point. Uh, but you're getting a month of Trevor Rosenthal. That's what, maybe 10, 12 innings? And yeah. the Brewers give up a top 20 prospect, a rising prospect in Tristan Peters, who just had a three-hit game on Saturday with the Timber Rattlers when I was up there, who had just gotten a promotion to double A, who had a who had a 870 something OPS in high A who had risen up to the 19th ranked prospect in the organization and a continually rising player who should have been worth so much more than one month of a pitcher who has not pitched in two years. He hasn't been in a game in two years. The Dodgers gave up their like 19th ranked prospect for Joey Gallo. And you know what? I would have been much happier seeing Tristan Peters traded out for Joey Gallo, even though he sucked this year. Yeah. Like I, I was, you know, as, as disappointed as I may have been going into that day, being like, Oh, we just ended up with Joey Gallo to help out the offense. Now I'd be begging for them to have gotten Joey Gallo as, as their only upgrade to this offense. I'd, I'd have been begging for that deal right now. Because, I mean, if you trade Peters for Gallo, fine. You know, whatever. You, you get a bat, someone to help out uh, if, if he's able to, to do better now that he's away from, from New York. But you trade him for Trevor Rosenthal. And I just – it boggles the mind so much as to why David Stearns would ever agree to that trade. That's like a pie in the sky. It's like, oh, you want Rosenthal? Uh, how about Peters? Sure. It's like, did you even negotiate? Like, th- like that was – that, that was a chair on top for me. I thought Rosenthal would just be like cash considerations yeah. or some 17-year-old down in the Dominican Republic. But instead, you give up Peters, who's a, a top 20 prospect. That is just a massive misuse of, of prospect value and, and trade assets. Yeah. I, Tristan Peters, I think, had I, – I thought they said it was like four multi-hit games – uh, to basically finish his tenure with high A, because he also was about to make the leap to double A along with Anton Kelly, who's gone too. I, you, when you did your grades for the trades, you gave that one an F quadruple minus. Yes. And that might have been generous. Like that, <laughs> I, I hated apps. I hate every single damn thing about that trade. It was just, it just, for all of the amazing trades that Stearns has made where he has fleeced other teams, and we've seen so many of them in the past, like even his worst trades weren't quote-unquote horrible trades. Mm-hmm. This one just made absolutely zero sense. The only logic from it is the Brewers have an incredibly deep outfield in their minor league system and that with which you can deal from i get that but you'd better get someone back better than trevor damn rosenthal i mean it just it it makes no sense and trevor rosenthal isn't a guy that we necessarily hate here when he was doing his showcase we had written uh tyler kurth i believe wrote that uh piece josh i think josh wrote that piece about um should the brewers kind of keep an eye on him I remember writing about him way back before the, uh, I think it was the 2020 season, a season that ended up actually very good for him. That was kind of his bounce back Mm -hmm. from uh, injury. He ended up pitching with the Royals and one other team that year. Um, And had an ERA, I believe, in the twos. Looked really, really good. Has a good history from when he pitched for the Cardinals. Like, he's not a guy that we necessarily hate. But in the sense of this deal, just stupid. Just why? I don't get it. Because like we pointed out, you didn't even need to make the trade for Matt Bush. Why are you trading for another reliever who is who, can't, who won't even be ready for a month? Yeah. 
and he's done after this year. Like he's unless you're hoping that you see something good out of him, and you can convince him to sign for another year. But that's just hoping. I mean, yeah. there's no guarantee that he does that. So it just it, none of it that I, I I I was I was just I was speechless after that one happened. I just did not know what to say. Yeah, yeah. it was. It was insane. And, yeah, he's a free agent at the end of the year. So, what, he comes back for a month, then he's gone? I mean, you, you gave up Pierce for that. You could have signed Rosenthal yourself two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. If you had just signed him then, you could have kept Peters and still gotten the guy. I mean, I, I know the, the Brewers front office likes Rosenthal, and they've probably been after him for a while. But I feel like the Giants just totally took advantage of that and just like, well, fine, if you want him so bad, give us Peters for him. And Stearns actually gave it up. And it, it's it's insane. You already had too many relievers with, with the acquisition of Bush. And then you go get another one. And you don't get a bat at all. And the the, the value, the, the price is not right here. Um, and I think I remember seeing this from, from a different uh, Twitter user. I forget who it was. But it's, it said essentially... I am fine trading Tristan Peters for a reliever. Oh, yeah. I am fine trading for Trevor Rosenthal. I am not fine trading Tristan Peters for Trevor Rosenthal. Like, like, like that's just kind of where it is. If you want to get Rosenthal, fine. It shouldn't cost you Peters. If you want to trade Peters for a reliever, fine. But it should be someone who's pitched this year, someone who's healthy, someone who's performing well. And just the, the way this value went, it, it does not make sense at all and then that w- that was all they did on deadline day they didn't they didn't follow it up with a bat or anything no no and and then they come out it was before that at some point uh maybe tuesday morning was the quote from i think stern saying that you know we're looking at some offensive things but there isn't necessarily a clear obvious fit Oh yeah. One on offense. Like, are you kidding me? Have you been watching this team? Like, there is a clear, obvious fit right there in center field. Like, I'm sure, I get that Davis and Taylor have been a little bit better recently, but they still have bottom five production for the year at center field in g- most metrics. Um, the two that I had pulled for the, the articles I had written on a number of center field. Uh, possibilities. They were bottom five in both average and OPS. I mean, that's basically the entire slash line right there, guys. Like, it's you could have easily upgraded that position. You could have easily upgraded third base and shifted Luis Urias, who on the season is not repeating his 2020 right now, and shifted him into a utility role, especially with Jace Peterson on the shelf for an indefinite mm-hmm. amount of time. You could have added someone to the first base DH mix and figured out a rotation. They've done it in previous years. They've done it when they brought in Mike Moustakis and said, you know what, between you and Travis Shaw and everything, we're going to have Scope. figure it out. And then, yeah, then they bring Jonathan Scope in too. Like they've, they're, they're willing to be creative. And yet all of a sudden this year, there was no clear and obvious fit. Like, are you kidding me? It just and and yes, the Brewers compared to other teams actually rank decently high. They're top third in the league in terms of uh, runs per game. I get that. I also get that they have beaten up on they've they've compiled a lot of those runs um, against weaker competition. Now they have. I did point out in our writers chat that they have one of the better records against teams over 500. So I, I don't want to uh, kind of go against myself in that sense. Um, but one of the biggest things that I've always complained about when it comes to Brewers offense is their inconsistency. They will, they might score an average amount of runs per game, but then they're going to score way over that or way under that. Like we've seen it time and time again, they'll win a couple games and then they'll score zero or one or two for a couple games. Like someone who could come in and just stabilize that offense a little bit and make it more consistent would have been a phenomenal idea. And they end up going and getting nothing. Yeah, it's it's the most ridiculous. I mean, w- when you had, you know, 2018, as you're mentioning there, the you know, the team that went the farthest in the postseason that, that we've seen in this era, they went out and got a bunch of bats at the trade deadline. Mm-hmm. They, they went out and got a bunch of guys to help out this offense and, and fulfill that group. I don't know if they're just kind of too much in recency bias 
because, you know, coming out of the break, the, the offense was doing just fine. Offense was doing great. It's like, okay, everyone's hitting, everyone's healthy. It's like, you're good. But is that really enough to justify not getting a, another bat? And, you know, like, like what if one of these guys gets hurt? What if Omar Narvaez gets hurt? Um, I mean, we kind of dealt with that. They, they had Severino, and it was good that he's finally gone. But still, um, like, like, what if uh, Telez is out? I mean, they, they had Telez pinch it for the other day, and all of a sudden Brasso's in there, and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Hira's in there, and, like, all this stuff. And it's just like, and we've got Severino playing first. It's like, wait a minute. Maybe we should have some more help uh, at these positions. You know, maybe you could have gone for a guy like Brandon Drury or, you know, something uh, to, to just kind of help out the depth of this position player group so you don't have to rely as much on guys like Jace Peterson or Keston Hira or Mike Brasso. You know, you, you can upgrade that group as a whole, upgrade the floor. And that's why I said, you know, shortly after the trade deadline, if they're going to salvage this, uh, in, in terms of, you know, the clubhouse or the fan base, you got to call up Asterio Ruiz because, yeah. I mean, they, they got him in the trade for Hader and they assigned him to AAA, but he's already made his big league debut. It's like put Ruiz in center, you know, just, just put him out there in center field, send Davis out or whatever, and just just give it to Ruiz. Give him a chance here because he's the most big league ready of, of all the Brewers outfield prospects. So put him there. And see what happens. See see if he can provide a jolt to the offense. He's got 80 grade speed. He's gonna yeah. provide some kind of spark. If he can just if he can just get on base at all, he'll provide a spark. So bring him up, put him in there, and like, like there's no reason to wait. I mean, you traded Hater. Let's see the guys that you brought in for him actually come in and help out the squad. You already kicked out one in Lament, so you can't yeah. even see what he'll do. So bring in, bring up Ruiz. Like it's just, it just makes so much sense. I don't know why they haven't done it already. Yeah. I, I don't know if they want to just get a quick look at him at AAA while they already have Jonathan Davis up, you know, just kind of holding things down. I, I don't know, but no, I totally agree. Like at, at this point, I mean, like Bruce fans need something like this. They need to know that, um, you know, that some one of these trades is actually going to work out in our favor more uh, recently than, you know, 2023 or 2024. Um, because now, yeah, like you said, it's, it's Taylor Rogers. Like that's that's all we get to see. And, and Matt Bush, I guess, um, is all we get to see because Rosenthal isn't going to be here anytime soon. And Lamette is gone. So. We get two additions to the team, both in the bullpen, that we get to use to try and help us get towards a second straight uh, division title and fifth straight, fifth straight, am I doing it? Eight, nine, yes, four, fifth, uh, straight. fifth straight uh, playoff appearance. Uh, I'm so mad I can't do math, and math is my, that, that's my jam. <laughs> So this, oh, this really? Is what's, this is what you've done to us, Brewers. You've, Th- this is a no math podcast. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Now what? Now we can't even do the simple. We can't even count to five nope. on this podcast. We are so mad you've, you've at all this. Yeah, the, the Tristan four-year-old. Thank you. Who yeah, I'm pretty the, sure can actually count to five. The the Tristan Peters inclusion is what really set me over the edge uh-huh. uh, with this whole thing. I mean, that was just ridiculous. I mean, the because I, I don't think it came out until after the deadline that Peters was included. Uh, you know, we had to wait like a couple of hours, I think, for the for the return. Yeah. Um, and it was, you know, it's like, okay, so it's like, okay, you get Rosenthal, some low-level dude, maybe cash, fine, whatever. Um, and you just kind of wait through the rest of the deadline. Nothing happens. They don't end up getting anyone. And then you see that it's Peters. It's like, okay, this is, this is stupid. And... It just it makes everything look so much. Everything since then has only made it look so much worse. And what really bugged me, especially after that, after the Tristan Peters trade was David Stearns's comment post deadline that, you know, it's like, oh, we were looking at some bats and, you know, just, you know, some of the players that like we were involved with some of the players that didn't end up getting traded. And, you know, just some of the prices on them, we didn't feel comfortable uh, trade, you know, we didn't feel comfortable paying those prices. 
And I'm just like, but you felt comfortable trading Peters for Trevor yeah. Rosenthal? That's that's a price you felt comfortable paying, but you didn't feel comfortable paying for a hitter? Are you kidding me? That's that that's just ridiculous. Yeah. I have never seen like like the past the past few days, this Bruce front office has looked completely inept. And yeah. we have never been able to say that about the David Stearns led front office Mm-mm. ever. Like even with I mean, even with the Doug Melvin years, like there were some free agent signings that were particularly questionable. Like those And were I think some of those might have been pushed by Atanasio too. Yeah, yeah, they could have been. But like I feel like that's more what we criticized back then, not necessarily trades. Like it's been the last time we like really had a bad run of trades. Like I can't, I can't remember to be honest. It's no, we're not used to this. We're used to laughing at teams like the Rockies and anyone led by Brody Van Wagenen. And, you know, <laughs> like those types of teams we're used to laughing and saying, I look at those dummies making such Stupid moves. Oh, my God. Why would they do that? And meanwhile, we're over here and, you know, our GMs are making smart deals. And even if they're not big, sexy deals or at least ones that make sense. And and instead, we now we've gone through this trade deadline and like Brewers fans have just been it's like we've all been punched in the gut and we just don't know how to recover. Like it just it's not we're not used to this. It's I, I don't like it. I don't like this one bit. Yeah, it's um. Let me try to get here. There we go. Um, I'm looking through. I I got my I had my article that I put up uh, a couple of years ago now. I think yeah, a year or so ago, on David Stearns' batting average as yep. GM, um, and you know his trades and and free agency and waiver wires, and through the 2020 season, David Stearns had a 7.72 batting average. Essentially, he was winning on more than three quarters of the trades that he made. And he went 0 for 3 at the deadline this year. I mean, it was a massive swing and a miss. It was a it was a sombrero. All three strikeouts, not not even it's it's so bad. And we've never seen this from him. This kind of a string. There's been one or two that have been, you know, kind of like, eh, it was kind of close, you know, maybe a wash, but it didn't really work out. And, you know, but like they, they weren't, you know, big trades like this. Um, like like the Jonathan Scope deal, that, that's kind of a loss. It didn't it didn't mm-hmm. work out. Um, but the Mike Moustakis one did. The Joaquin Soria trade did. Like, like those trades at that deadline that year worked out. Yeah. So it's like, OK, like like this all makes sense. But. To go pretty much 0 for 3. I, and I think really no matter what Rodgers or Bush or even Rosenthal are able to accomplish this year and are able to accomplish here, it's just going to go down as a massive dud. Because yeah. you lost Hater. Even if these guys are are acceptable, are good, the the demoralized clubhouse is going to put this team in a in a funk. I mean, they they already got swept by the Pirates. That's just ridiculous. So you get swept by the Pirates. The, the team morale has been incredibly low. You really make the team worse for this year, especially on paper. And I, I think even if those guys perform to high expectations, everyone's still going to be pissed. You, you didn't get a bat. And unless, unless the Brewers win the World Series this year, everyone's going to point to the front office. Because... Mm-hmm. The starting rotation is, is going to be what it is. The starting rotation is not going to be the reason why the Brewers lose in the playoffs, if they lose at all. If they lose in the playoffs, it is going to be because either A, the offense didn't do enough to score, or B, the bullpen imploded. Mm-hmm. And no matter which one of those things it is, or even a combination of them, everyone is going to point back to David Stearns and the front office and the trade deadline as to why that is. If the bullpen imploded, hmm, your moves at the deadline didn't work. If the offense didn't score enough, hmm, hey, maybe you should have gotten a bat. 
So all the blame is going to go on him. They cannot make any other upgrades to the roster. So for months now, this is all we have to chew on and sit on. And then going into the offseason, however it ends, we're going to have to chew on and sit on that as well. And, and the mistakes they made along the way, unless, of course, they win it all. But I have a hard time seeing how they improved their ability to do so at this deadline. Yeah, absolutely. The the only way this trade deadline is salvaged in the eyes of Brewers fans, per se, is, like you said, if they win a World Series this year, which it just, I mean, hell, just because of the way the San Diego Padres freaking upgraded the roster, it seems very unlikely that that happens for the Brewers, let alone what's happening on their own club. But is either that or if you have Ruiz end up as a starter for you for several years and Gasser ends up being a top three, four rotation arm for, you know, a few years. Neither of those are going to happen though for a while. Like, so we won't, we wouldn't know that this trade deadline was anything close to salvaged for years. So like, it's just, so it's, Unless a World Series happens, we are going to just continue to look back. Or there's the, I guess, a third option where, you know, maybe one of those two or both of them end up getting spun around for a big acquisition. Or because of the fact that you have Ruiz and he is performing well, you now decide you can trade from your outfield depth and that gets you back someone who ends up contributing. You know, I guess that's another way where you can almost consider this salvaged in a roundabout way. But, like, that's really it at this point. It just – there's no way that anyone's going to look back on this trade deadline with anything but disappointment for years. It's just uh, – Yeah. And, I mean, even if Ruiz and, and Gasser work out, I mean, if this if this season, I mean, ends in failure, does it really matter? You know, it's like, oh, you know, long term, we may have ended up, you know, getting the best of this. But, you know, if it's an offseason trade, then fine, whatever. Then we'll just kind of depend on, you know, whatever Ruiz and Gasser are able to do. And, you know, that, like that's fine. But when you do it midseason, that's where it's just like, OK, well, it, it seems like you're punting on, on this season and rather than, you know, but like what bothered me, like they made the hater trade and then they immediately put out a statement. And that's very unusual. And you typically, you don't see the Brewers do that. And then when they make a trade and they have to put out a a carefully crafted PR statement to try to explain to fans why they made the trade, it's generally a sign that the trade was not a good idea. Um, And fans are not going to take it well. And there's very good reason to. And what really bugged me about the statement was the fact that they said you know, it's like, oh, like this trade helps, you know, ensure long-term viability and, you know, you know, blah, 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 while not compromising our expectation and desire to win today. Yes. And there is a big difference between not compromising and improving. Mm-hmm. Because at the trade deadline, you're supposed to be improving your chances to win today. And it, and it was their expectation and desire to win not their ability to win. Yeah. So, like, you can have all the expectations and desire in the world. You know, like, I can I can have the expectation to run a marathon and the desire to run a marathon. But if I chop off my own foot, it is – I am very much hindering my ability to actually complete a marathon, you know? Yeah. But then on top of that – to put out that statement and say you're not you're trying to not compromise your ability to win in the present, and then you cut one of those players, you have officially compromised it. You now, uh, as a result of that trade, when regarding the present times, considering Ruiz is still down in AAA, all you have done is swap Hater for Rodgers, and that's downgrade. Sorry, it just is. So now you have compromised your ability to win in the present just based off of the return from the trade for Hater. 
So that entire statement is now null and void because you fucked up and brought in too many bullpen arms because apparently you can't count. Like, I don't, I just, I, it still blows my mind how you even do that. Like, oh, shoot. Like, who is in charge of making sure we didn't have too many relievers on the roster? I yeah. guess, I mean, I guess I, I just for a little bit there forgot how to count to five. You know what? I guess I can't uh, hate myself too bad considering our front office can't count relievers. Yeah, that, that was just, it, it just shows, it, it makes everyone think there was no actual plan. Right. To this deadline. I mean, you you look like a front office without a plan. And we have never been able to say this about the Brewers front office under David Stearns. We, like, they have always had the plan. They've always been pretty much smarter than everyone else. They have always been able to, to have the plan that, you know, maybe some others couldn't see. But when you make the trade for these guys and you have to cut one of them because of the roster crunch, I mean, it, you look you look like you don't know what you're doing. And it's just it, it's unacceptable for them to do that, especially considering how much they've always been on top of everything before. You're, you're just so unexpected. I'd expect that from from the Rockies or something to just not know yes. how many roster spots there were. I mean, th- th- this is this is unheard of ineptitude from this front office. And I would I would just love to know what that plan was. Like, were they expecting to for a certain offensive move to end up happening, and that's what would have ended up somehow balancing the roster? And when that move wasn't pot, didn't end up happening, and then their you know Plan B and Plan C didn't happen either, that's what forced them into this roster crunch. Like, if that's the case, I guess that's going to happen every once in a while. But based on how things shook out and the like shaky statements that have come out since, like, I don't have a lot of faith that that was the case. I just, I would love to know what that plan quote unquote plan, if there was one, what it actually was, because uh, it's just hard to envision what it could have been. Yeah. And if you had that plan and, you know, some part of it starts falling through, you might have to up your offers or, or like, Yes. If you're gonna if you're going to go through with all this, if you're gonna go through with, with trading Hater and trying to move some of those pieces back around and you know make all this roster shuffling, you should probably get all that lined up first before you before you push that first domino. Because once you trade Hater, you gotta follow through. You you gotta get through the rest of the plan and make the rest of it happen. If you don't, you end up holding the bag. You end up looking like idiots. And they ended up looking like idiots. And we, we haven't seen this from David Stearns before. And, you know, I've I've seen some people on Twitter. They're like, oh, should he be fired? Is like, are they going to get rid of him? And it's like, you know, is, is this going to happen? Like, they're not going to fire Stearns. I mean, he has built up enough trust equity to be able to withstand this. But I think also he used up a lot of that trust equity uh, with this trade deadline, because there are a lot of people that are just kind of now looking at him like, dude, are, what, what's going on? Typically, we can see that there's some sort of plan or strategy behind this, some sort of smart idea. You may have to squint sometimes, but there's generally something there. But this time, it legitimately looks like they don't have a plan. Right. No, absolutely. And that's also good. I guess some one of the problems that ends up happening when you are a team like the Brewers and a GM like Stearns and you hold those cards so close to the vest and are never particularly transparent as to what your overall direction is, if something goes wrong, all you get are just questions upon questions from the fan base because we're left here sitting to just wonder what the hell happened. And there's no explanation for it. So, of course, we're going to sit here frustrated because we don't know what the hell just happened and why it just happened. Like, it's if, if you never say anything and those those statements just are just just minuscule things to, like, try and tide people over. And they honestly just didn't work. Like, no, if, if I'm going to be upfront about it, like it just I we all have questions and we all have frustrations and 
we just have to sit here and talk with each other about it because we're never going to hear until maybe the off season, depending on how everything shakes out for the year. Like after 2020, David Stearns, I did, I gave him a lot of respect because after Dave, after 2020, when he basically signed all those different types of guys like Justin Smoke and uh, Eric Sogard, bringing him back and Jed Jerko and Josh Peterson and uh, sorry. Brock Holt. Brock Holt and like all these guys that were like just like plug and play type guys that like you could just have all these options all across the uh, infield and outfield and it just bombed. And like maybe the shortened season had something to do with that. We'll never really know. But he straight up admitted after the season that we had a plan and let's be honest, it didn't really work out. And you know what? That was more than he usually admits for stuff like that. But he did it, and I had a lot of respect for him for doing that. Hopefully, if things don't work out this year, he'll do that again and at least give us a little bit of insight. But right now, we don't have that, and that's why all of us are so freaking frustrated right now. Yeah, and I will give credit to Stearns uh, for that. I mean, when he does make mistakes, he does take ownership of them. He doesn't try to you know set excuses, make it aside. Um, he did that with Jonathan scope too, you know, after he acquired scope and scope didn't work out, he talked that fall. He's like, yeah, we made an acquisition. It didn't really work out as planned. I'm sorry for that. It was a bad trade. And it's like, okay, like, like he takes ownership of those mistakes. Now, granted it is, it is a little too soon for him to, uh, you know, start admitting mistakes. I mean, he's, he's not going to make judgments, you know, just based on that. Uh, but, you know, perhaps in the fall we'll see, you know, yeah, the strategy didn't really work out. And, you know, I, I could see how these guys ended up seeing it this way and it made them upset. And I'm sorry. And we did it wrong. And we didn't get the, the bats that we needed and and we didn't improve the club enough or, or whatever. So perhaps he'll end up doing that. He's not going to do it now. He's offered as much explanation as he really can. He can't really go into, oh, well, we were in on. Ian Happ, we were in on J.D. Martinez, we were in on these guys, and they ended up not going anywhere, but because he really kind of can't talk, you know, specific specifics on guys they did not acquire. So there's only so much he can do in that regard, but, you know, I will give him credit. He has done that in the past, and he's probably going to have another one of those apologies in the future. Yeah. Yeah, and you know what? All we can hope is that this all works out, and the Brewers still make the playoffs. I still have I still have the Brewers make winning the division. I know it's really hard to say right now based off of what's happened, based off the fact that they're in the midst of a three-game losing streak um, and that they appear to be in a bit of a funk. Hopefully, Council can work his clubhouse magic, especially with them kind of coming home this weekend, um, and get them to turn things around. They really just need to get a win under their belts, and hopefully then that builds a little momentum back up for them. But the Cardinals felt like they had to add some like decent uh, talent to their starting rotation. I thought that would be in the form of like a Zach Plesak and Frankie Montas. Instead, mm-hmm. it ends up, ooh, Garrett Mitchell just stole second base. Now he's going to third, it looks like. There we go. Um, nice. Uh, instead, it ended up being Jordan Montgomery and Jose Quintana, which are mm-hmm. way less than I expected them to get. I, I, to me, that doesn't necessarily guarantee that it pushes them past us, but we still got to finish the job here. I mean, we're just yeah. barely, we might be in first place by like a half game now. But uh, still, by the way, can, just as an aside, can we all take a moment to thank the baseball gods that, that Juan Soto did not end up getting traded to yes. the St. Louis Cardinals. Oh, Lord. Because oh, there were rumors that he could be heading there and that they had the guys to do it, but they didn't want to part with Dylan Carlson and you know and all these prospects. So the Cardinals ended up not getting him. So thank the baseball gods. Thank Jesus for that. Because if the Brewers had this kind of a deadline where they traded away Hayter and then got Bush and Rogers and Rosenthal – and the Cardinals got Juan Soto. Oh, we you would have had a literal angry mob with torches and pitchforks heading to Mark Atanasio's house. Yeah. And Dave, like, like it would it would have been so bad. Like, 
you think morale's bad now? It would have been so much worse if they had that. Uh, so thank you for the Cardinals not getting Soto, not getting Montas, not getting all their top guys. We will have to see Jose Quintana some more, but I think they've broken his uh, his curse on them a little bit. Yeah, yeah, I would say. And Jordan Montgomery, I, I had him on my fantasy team earlier this year. He wasn't great. I, haven't, I actually haven't seen how he's done since then. They did trade away Harrison Bader in that, which actually I, I'm kind of glad about because he was kind of a thorn in our side during uh, plenty of those games. So, you know, Jordan Montgomery can only pitch every five days. Uh, Bader can play every day, and now he's gone. So I guess I'll take that as a tiny little win. Um, Also, I will take uh, the fact that the Cubs, for whatever reason, didn't trade Hap or uh, Contreras, which just seems horribly dumb. So we can laugh at that a little bit, I guess, too. But, yeah, if the Cardinals had gotten Soto, I might have just switched my focus to football at that point. (laughs) The preseason game is actually playing right now. We would have, I would have had to turn this into whatever the football equivalent to the cold brew podcast is. And <laughs> yeah. I, we can I, talk I, about Aaron Rodgers taking psychedelics. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Smoking but some shrooms. Better than talking about Soto being a friggin' Cardinal, but that <laughs> didn't happen. So yes, at least the baseball gods do have some benevolence, even if it's just a little bit right now. Yeah. It's we're trying to find the positives where we can here. That's that's essentially uh, where where we're at with this. The, the positive is the Cardinals did not get Juan Soto. Yeah. Um, and another positive. It's our 100th episode, 100th episode. of the Cold Brew Podcast. We have made it. Uh, thank you to everyone who has listened to this podcast and, and listened to our takes, our spewing of our opinions and analysis and trusting us to, to be your source for Brewers news, both here on the podcast and on reviewing the brew.com. Um, you know, I've, I, I've seen a bunch of people, you know, just kind of reach out the last couple of days, just kind of thanking us for our coverage and, and what we provide, you know, on, on the site and on Twitter and, and on the podcast. And, you know, it, it really means a lot how we've been able to, uh, build that up with with people and and uh, become that that kind of go to source for them. I mean, it's something that we take very seriously uh, and that we really enjoy being able to provide for everyone. Yeah, and again, just thank you so much to all of our amazing guests who've been here on this show. Thanks to the boys up in uh, Green Bay um, who gave us a, a little bit of a round of applause. Uh, when I was on the radio with them earlier today, <laughs> mentioned that our 100th was coming out and uh, um, they gave us some congrats. So um, thank you to uh, Alex and Balky. And I know Leo wasn't there today, but um, I know he they're big supporters of it. Um, they actually called out one of your articles um, while we were chatting. So um, they read the site, they listen to the pod. So thanks to you guys, the guys at the fan, I know are big listeners to everyone who you know, subscribes, downloads, listens, reaches out to us on Twitter, um, either, you know, through uh, replies or DMs or any, like, it just, you have no idea how much we appreciate you guys. Um, And it lets us know that, you know, kind of what we're doing, um, that there's people out there who like it and that there's people out there who are listening and we're not just kind of shouting into a void, very much shouting if we're talking about today's episode. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. A lot of that. We plan on sticking around for quite a while, so the Brewers' takes will be flowing for many, many more episodes. And they have given us plenty of thanks to have takes on. Um, Also, also thank you to uh, the guys on uh, 97.3 The Game in Milwaukee who've had us on, uh, Fox Sports 1070 in Madison, uh, WKTY, Grant in Lacrosse, uh, John on uh, ESPN Lacrosse out there as well. Uh, going on those guys' shows, talking with them, uh, promoting the podcast and, and the website. And, uh, yeah, also, uh, I'm not sure if I told you this before, Matt, but we have reached uh, 17,000 followers on Twitter oh, on Reviewing nice. the Brew this week. I felt like celebrating, but given the circumstances that were uh, happening at the time, I'm like, you know, maybe a celebration of that isn't the best uh, idea at the moment. But 
Uh, we really appreciate everyone who who follows us and and follows reviewing the brew and the cold brew podcast and and listens to us. I, I would have gotten like you know noisemakers and like party favors, uh, but given the you know more sour mood uh, of this podcast, <laughs> I felt it might not have been uh, in the best taste. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, as I'm watching them right now, I need to do just a few more shout outs. The Nashville Sounds for inviting yes. us down to record our podcast there once and uh, putting us up uh, in the press box for a couple of games was phenomenal. Um, I know we mentioned 1250 The Fan, but um, I, I mean, Sparky, Toby, Sam, um, Adam Roberts, um, uh, Evan, I believe, uh, been on with once, like, all the guys there who've kind of had us on to um, uh, be able to speak about the site and the podcast. I know they're listeners too. Um, there's going to be so many people that we've left out, um, but we we appreciate every single one of you guys. And Lord knows there's a lot of people out there. So um, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it has been, uh, it's been a fun ride so far and we're excited to continue it. Plenty more to come here on the podcast here on Reviewing the Brew. Uh, so for our 100th episode, for Matt Carroll, I am Dave Gasper. We'll see you for episode 101 next week here on the Cold Brew Podcast.